chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis, with your host, Dave Inman. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have TJ Cape with Canna Management. TJ, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. So tell our listeners, what is Canna Management? Well, Canna Management is a full-service consultation service, and it's sort of born out of the idea that legalization is going to create a market that is far more competitive and, of course, regulated. And cannabis growers are going to have to adjust to this new business environment. And doing that is going to entail that they need to build out all the functional areas of their business. Uh, most of them are good cultivators, but perhaps, you know, they have, don't know anything about human resources or finance or procurement or regulatory compliance. I mean, it's a rather long list of things that, you know, functional areas that will have to be developed so that they can compete effectively in that challenging environment. And so our proposition is that we have a team of 15 consultants, all of whom are experts in a specific area of business, and that we can collectively can address any shortcomings uh, that a customer might have. Well, you know, I know in the uh, in the cannabis space in general, uh, any place that has adopted, maybe Sands, California, of course, but any place that has adopted any kind of uh, regulatory framework, whether it be medical or recreational, the regulatory framework is actually quite extensive. And a lot of people really have no concept or clue of what they're getting themselves into until they're kind of in the thick of it. So basically what uh, Canna Management does is, is it kind of parts the wheat from the chaff and, and applies a, a path for success for people to maintain compliance and possibly even have uh, strategic uh, discoveries as far as how they might be able to roll out or be more profitable or where they should be pricing stuff? Is that as well uh, something that Canna Management would do? All of the above. It's actually it's a difficult thing to summarize because it is totally comprehensive. It starts with the, you know creating a business plan, identifying the proper site, going through the licensing process, and then goes on to uh, build out the business. And, and that includes connecting producers with potential avenues for sales. That includes tracking the market and, you know, to identify the strains that our customers want most and helping them to um, get up to speed on producing those strains. It includes intelligent pricing. So, you know, following average prices and making sure that they're pricing competitively and getting as much for their products as they should. So it goes on and on. And, I mean, it's, I guess the basic proposition is to be all things to all people. Whatever the need is, there's somebody on our team that can address us. And how many states are you guys operating in currently, or are you touching all of the, uh, the currently regulated states? Well, we're open to work wherever the need is. As it happens, most of the business is happening in California, a little bit in Colorado, a little in Washington. But the great majority of calls that we're getting are in California for obvious reasons. Well, because it's a, the, okay. 
and it's a landmine in there. You know, you go from city to city, county to county, and every uh, place has a slightly different rules package that has to be adopted and maintained. And I could only imagine the challenges that California faces in comparison to, say, like in Arizona or a Colorado or, you know, any of the other more recently regulated states. To illustrate the point, you're absolutely right. It, probably half the hours that I'm billing right now are associated with trying to sort out the processes for specific cities. Not just, you know, are they stating that they're issuing licenses, but are they actually actively doing that? And what's the, you know, what's it take to get it done? And as you say, every city is different. And, you know, I, th- I would say California is probably the most unique in that regard, specifically because it has such a fragmented rules package and law that was drafted to begin with. Indeed, indeed. I can only hope that there will be some clarity as time goes on, because I, I think right now it's almost unmanageable. I, I can't imagine how, you know, the average grower who is burdened with actually managing his facility is going to find time to sort through all of this stuff and jump through all the hoops that are required. It's unrealistic. Well, and you know, when you when you look at uh, most of the cultivators that are out there now, you know, most of them started off in uh, their closet. And, you know, they, they might have had four or maybe a couple of dozen plants. But as you expand that, you know, and, and I've had a few different individuals, uh, Casey Waldrop from Art of War and a few other cultivators on the show. And just trying to scale up can be an incredible challenge. You know, trying to plan for disasters or, or things happening before they happen can be quite the challenge, let alone the regulatory framework. So, you know, it's it's a unique business model and probably one that, you know, really there's, there's not many people out there doing. Uh, what, what kind of competition do you have out there? Well, my sense of it, it is fast changing. My sense of it is that most of the uh, consultation firms that are out there are focused exclusively on cultivation. So that was sort of what led me to pursue this, is the, the recognition that there isn't much support out there for, you know, the development of other business disciplines. And, you know, that may end up being the weakness that, that causes some of these pioneering operations to fail is that they, you know, they don't know how to write a budget in our monitor cash flow or, you know, they're exposing themselves to the lawsuits because they haven't, you know, they don't have a meaningful safety training program or an employee handbook clearly stating policy and expectation. There's a lot of exposure for business these days. And you need a proactive strategy to address that. And as you say, I mean, just being a grower is, is such a tall order you know, where are you going to find the time to do all the rest? Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, again, with the landscape that tends to shift so often, so dramatically, uh, you know, in Colorado, uh, they've changed uh, several of their policies uh, regarding pesticides, which I think is a wonderful thing. You know, obviously, if you're consuming something, you want to make it as safe as possible. And, you know, again, with, you know, having some kind of, uh, of a company that can help people be pointed in the right directions and maybe plan ahead so that way they don't get caught with their pants down, so to speak, when those laws wind up going into effect or when these new rules packages. And, and you know, I would imagine that, you know, once legalization happens nationally, which, uh, you know, I'm quite confident will happen. We'll need to make sure that we have regulations for, you know, pesticide, different things like that. So what is your take on those type of topics? Well, I'm with you. I really hope that things will be regulated because, you know, the number I hear tossed around is 80% of the material on the street is toxic to some degree. I I don't know if that's true or not, but even if it's half true, that's a disastrous thing. 
that needs to be addressed. Oh, especially if it's our medicine. You know, I mean, our, our medicine should not contain toxic compounds. Uh, and, and, you know, again, if the beer industry, uh, you know, all of a sudden we find out that, well, obviously beer is a bit toxic, but, you know, if there was, a, you know, little adders that, you know, maybe some formaldehyde or, or whatnot that was contained within it, we would be up in arms. You know, so, I mean, the, the fact that it takes so long to get this wheel to turn in the direction that it should be. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, I've been in business for a long time myself and long ago came to the conclusion that good business is legal business. It's not a good strategy to try to skirt the law in, in any area of law. The smart thing is to fly straight in every functional area of your business. It's an easy thing to do. It removes all the question marks. So, you know, whether we're talking about producing a product that's safe to consume or we're talking about properly uh, training people so that, that they're aware of hazards in the workplace or making sure that the business is, you know, is properly financed so they don't run short of cash, just all these threats to the business that uh, we haven't had to worry about to this point because it's a very, very profitable business and so you can be a little careless and still survive, but that'll change. Every market matures. Prices will come down, things will tighten up, and uh, going to have to be able to operate efficiently and accurately to survive. You know, I want to talk about those uh, those prices here in a second. We got to take a quick break. With us today, TJ Cape with Canna Management. We'll be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, think that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know about this podcast. What I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. 
PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have TJ Cape with Canna Management. We've been talking about uh, different regulatory frameworks and, and how to dance within them. TJ, so we were just talking about pricing and how pricing is going to go down. Now, interestingly enough, I'm a bit of an advocate and activist, and so I, I pay attention to you know a lot of the different states that uh, are you know embroiled with trying to remedy their current laws. And one of the things that I see is, and one of our show hosts, Russ Belville, coned it perfectly calling it the stoners against legalization. And I, I see that a lot. Uh, in Washington, I-502, people were freaking out, saying that there was going to be $600 ounces. Uh, similar things have been happening in Arizona and other states that are trying to legalize cannabis. So what is your take on how the, the prices will either raise or fall based on regulation? Well, you know, legalization is going to I assume, introduce a lot more people into the business. And so more players, more competition, and competition leads to, you know, price pressure, downward price pressure. So I'm assuming that over time prices will go down. And, you know, that kind of, and it just fits with the generalized model of every industry. That industries, the earmarks of maturity are competition. The bar is raised in terms of quality and product differentiation, the need to operate efficiently, accurately, compliantly. All these things go along with, you know, the maturation of an industry. And, and why should cannabis be any different than any of a hundred other industries that we've seen develop? You know, if we take that as a premise that the prices are going to fall, then the smart thing is to prepare for that, to find the efficiencies to offset reduced prices. Um, I fear that, you know, the pioneers that founded this industry, that built the industry to its current state, won't recognize the need for that evolution and will just get left behind. And, you know, we all fear that the culture of cannabis will be lost, that, you know, the corporate monsters will move in and, and destroy everything that has been created. The best way to ensure that that doesn't happen is to acknowledge the need to evolve and aggressively work to evolve and be competitive. Well, you know, from my point of view, I mean, I've, I've been a cannabis consumer the lion's share of my life. You know, I've been a consumer for 30 years. And, you know, I remember, you know, as a, as a youth talking about being able to go down to the Circle K and pick up a pack of joints. And while that would be uh, kind of a cool thing, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't feel that that's where it ends. Where I would really like to see cannabis is where it's no longer unique. You know, and I've said this uh, before in, in other shows, can't wait until, you know, you, you have a neighbor come over and, and they open up your cupboard and it's either there or not. and Nobody cares, you know, where the stigma is so far removed that it's no different than having a cup of sugar in your pantry. And I think that we're going to get there. I don't know the time scale on, on something like that. But as far as legalization or regulation, 
Where would you put that timeline? How far out do you think it will be before the U.S. legalizes cannabis nationally? Uh, you know, I, I'm really not the expert in, in that area. The beautiful thing is none of us are. None of us are. It's just a wild <laughs> guess. <laughs> you know, we're all in, in these new uh, new times that they're constantly brighter and better than before, but we have really no basis for comparison to press against. Indeed. I, I reason that, you know, let's say, for example, if it's legalized in California, it'll take some time for city counties to follow suit. And so I, I'm sure it's going to take some time, but I think that works in our favor. I, I think we as an industry need time to do some growing up and prepare you know, for that mature industry. And so I ideally hope that it'll take some time for this thing to flesh out and, you know, wish for the same thing that you do, that it would no longer be at all controversial, but that it would be a rational conversation about personal freedoms and about the obvious benefits of this plant. Exactly. So let me ask you, obviously, you weren't, uh, you weren't in cannabis your whole life. So what was the trajectory? What brought you to cannabis? Well, to be correct, and you know, I've had a casual relationship with cannabis for most of my life. You know, strictly speaking, I worked in ornamental horticulture and food crop production for more than 30 years. And those were the mainstream opportunities that were available to somebody like me. But those industries have really, really suffered and it's just hard to survive there, and cannabis is becoming legitimate, so it seemed like the right time to jump in. And, you know, again, I, I mean, I had this sort of epiphany where I thought, I know a lot of people in the business, and I, I fear for them. I see a lot of them want to stick their heads in the sand and pretend that things will be as they always have been, but there's every reason to think that's not true. And so I desire to help these businesses grow up and adopt some of the... Uh, the functional areas, the sensibilities that exist in, say, ornamental horticulture. Actually, I'll quick story. Um, as I said, I've been in ornamental horticulture for like three decades. And to me, decades ago, ornamental horticulture was a very immature industry. They, most businesses were, they cultivated, but they didn't have anything else lined up. You would certainly not see a budget or uh, you know, a, uh, an employee handbook or an injury and illness prevention plan, any of the things that you would expect to see in most industries. And so over three decades, I, I saw that industry evolve, and it was a very painful process, and something on the order of two-thirds of the greenhouse operations in the United States failed as we moved through that transition. And the ones that failed were, in most cases, those that simply refused to adapt. And so here we are. There are a lot of growers out there who will have to decide how they're going to react to these changes. Are they going to practice denial, or are they going to evolve? And, you know, there are lots of case studies for this thing. You know, ornamental horticulture is just one of them. It's clear what's going to happen. Well, you know, it's funny, too, when you talk about uh, greenhouses and an indoor horticulture cultivation to begin with, you know, there's there's a lot to be uh, discussed about with that. You know, I, I'm an energy-efficient lighting designer by trade. And a few years back, um, when Washington had just voted in their legalization, I was contacted by a few gentlemen from uh, Pacific Utility District, just because, you know, again, I've been in the energy sector for a long time. And they were absolutely freaking out about how many licenses had been issued and what kind of power drain they were going to have on their grid. You know, you figure that for, you know, say a, a retail establishment, you might have uh, 1.5 watts uh, per square foot that you're allowed to use for lighting. 
Now, if we're to go into an indoor horticulture space, it could be 40 to 50 watts per square foot consumed. So they were absolutely freaking out. You know, I mean, that's an exorbitant drain on the grid, and especially in some of those more remote areas where you don't necessarily have a a power plant very close. So, you know, the power generation and, and the transfer becomes much more expensive and problematic, especially when, you know, you're having these exorbitant drains. What do you think the future looks like as far as what cannabis will be able to utilize? Do you think that they'll be forced to use maybe more energy efficient light sources for production? One example of a myriad of pressures that are going to be on these businesses and they're going to have to think strategically about how to manage them. There will be many such pressures, I believe. In this case, you know, there's a lot of work going on to develop more efficient lighting capabilities and everybody needs to be looking at them because that's, you know, we will probably be compelled at some point to move to that sort of thing. I have my own questions about whether or not the warehouse model will be viable, both because of the energy concern and because of the, you know, the inherent cost of producing in that fashion. So, you know, all of us need to be thinking down the road a few steps about what those pressures will be and starting to consider how we're going to manage them. This, you know, calls for uh, awareness and realism and proactive response. We definitely need to get uh, everybody to be more proactive as opposed to just simply reactive to the to the uh, the landscape. TJ, we got to take a quick break. When we get back, everybody, TJ Cape with Canna Management, Dave Inman with State of Cannabis. We will be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com, when we return. Dr. Dabber, hurry, its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers? 
from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have TJ Cape with Canna Management. Uh, you know, we've been uh, dancing around a bunch of different topics, but really at the end of the day, what really it all means is that our landscape is changing. And we really do need to be ready for what is to come if it is important to us. So, TJ, tell me, what do you think has been the biggest challenges thus far for clients and getting uh, their own structure and, and implementations in place? I think it's just, you know, 24 hours in a day. I mean, there's just a lot of work associated with just being a cultivator and to try to build out, I keep saying it, but, you know, all the different critical functions of a business, it's just a hell of a thing. And I think they need help. Uh, it, I mean, there's just only so much that you can accomplish. And I've talked to a number of people who you know, have existing growth and they want to license and be compliant. And, you know, right at go, they're stumped by, wow, i got to write a business plan. I've got to find a location that complies with all the criteria for a, a suitable location. And you know, maybe I'm going to have to pay some lease payments for a few months until the license comes across. And, you know, I don't have time to be chasing down the people who are reviewing the license and on and on it goes. So they back away. And, you know, that unfortunately what that implies, I think, is that there will be a day when they will be forced to cease operations because they didn't take the necessary steps. And so, you know, once again, the, the business is sort of predicated on the idea that cultivators don't have time, they may not have the skills, the know-how to do what needs doing. And so here we are to help. And we've tried to package things in the simplest and most efficient manner so that it's not big expenditure to accomplish these things. Certainly relative to the current profitability of, of cannabis, it's a good expenditure and, and one that they should be able to afford. And this is the window of opportunity. You know, as prices drop and, and money tightens up, the opportunity to, to build out the business, to invest in competitive facilities, is going to go away. If you look at ornamental horticulture, I, you know, I think of that all the time as a parallel and a, and a case study. The companies that invested early on when business was good, and, you know, built the facilities that were efficient enough to compete over the long term, are alive today. And the ones that went on vacation with the funds and let their facilities deteriorate and didn't build out their staff to be, you know, a high-performing group are, are not. They're not. This is the moment. You know, it's, it's amazing. You know, I, I go to a lot of, you know, again, I'm an activist and an advocate. So I, I wind up going to a lot of meetings. I, I spend a lot of time with boots on the ground here uh, in Arizona for the MPP and watching the whole thing unfold. And, you know, some of the comments that I've heard before is, you know, going from medical to recreational, they could see a six-fold increase to business. Now, 
there's some daunting challenges in that little sentence right there. Now it sounds like, yeah, you're going to make a ton of money, which absolutely you will. But that is six times the amount of business that is from front to back, soup to nuts that has to be increased. So you have to all of a sudden have more people that are trained and you have to have just a, a multitude of different things that has to rise with that occasion. And most people that are in the market, they I would say they're often, I don't want to say their heads are in the sands, but they have no, you know, again, basis for comparison of what a six-fold increase overnight could ever look like. And I know from, you know, my aspect, I, I would have a tough time trying to plan and prepare and be ready for that. Indeed. Uh, you know, those of us who've spent a lot of years in sort of conventional business and have had the experience of building out departments, finding the right staff, building out uh, all the processes and policies, institutionalizing those processes and policies, you know, developing uh, control points. I mean, there's just a lot of work. It's a tremendous amount of work. And it would be an easy thing to underestimate. You might imagine, well, I can just hire an HR manager and everything will be taken care of, but it's really not that simple at all. So there again, you know, the need for a proactive approach, the need to get started climbing this huge mountain that most cultivators need to climb. Absolutely. Uh, you know, TJ, I, I want to make sure that our listeners, you know, anybody that would have the need of Canna Management Corporation is able to get in touch with you. So your website is canna-management.com. What would you recommend, you know, as far as getting in touch and things that people might need when they talk to you? Should they have any uh, information ready uh, or can it be uh, from INSAP to rollout that you can uh, actually be involved with? Um, certainly, we can you know be involved with any activity that's required. I think I can fairly say that anything at all. Our website has a simple means of signing up. That's one mechanism. Otherwise, they're welcome to call me. Best number, if, if I may, four one five two six nine eight zero one five. And let's um, get that one more time from you, just in case they missed it. What was that number again? Thank you, four one five two six nine eight zero one five, and that's direct to me. And part of our service offering is a free consultation on the front end to try to understand what the need is. It's interesting. One of the members of our team is a management consultant. And really all this person does is engages Fortune 500, Fortune 100 businesses to try to determine what their needs are. And most of the time they think they know what their needs are, and most of the time they're wrong. When you really get start digging into it, you find out that what they need to succeed is actually different than what they imagined. And so those front-end questions are extremely important. I would ask anybody who's interested in working for us to consider, spend a little time thinking about what they think their needs are, but also to be open to the possibility that they've misinterpreted the landscape. It's not a simple thing to read. And so we can ask all the key questions that will guide them to the right conclusion. Let's start there. and Let's make sure we're running in the right direction. And then we Absolutely. can deploy the proper um, subject matter experts to address the need. Well, you know, it's a, it's an exciting time that we can have a business like yours that exists now. And uh, I got to thank you for doing it, you know, sticking your neck out and, you know, being willing to uh, help people down this very, very convoluted path. 
TJ, we're out of time for today, but I want to thank you for coming on the show and, and telling our listeners about your company and yourself. And of course, I want to thank you, everyone, for listening to uh, this edition of The State of Cannabis. I'm Dave Inman. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Don't forget to like and comment. I'm your host, Dave Inman, and we'll talk with you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.